Hi, I'm Nicole Breeden. And I'm Kira Brukirek. And you're listening to ProPrac, a podcast where we explore the professional practice of artists and hear their stories. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to ProPrac. Today, our guest is Jenna Pippet. Jenna graduated in 2012 from Adelaide Central School of Art, completing a Bachelor of Visual Art with honours. She has exhibited in a solo capacity at Adelaide City Council's Art Pod, Felt Space, Constance ARI, 7th Gallery, Sawtooth ARI, Ace Open Ace Across, and King's Artist Run. Pippet has also participated in several group exhibitions, including at Adelaide Central Gallery, Adelaide Town Hall, Greenaway Gallery of Gag Projects, Screen Space, Abbotsford Convent, Video Platform Art Stage Singapore, and Video Platform Art Stage Jakarta. An active member of the local arts community, Pippet served as a co-director of Felt Space between 2015 and 2018, a nationally recognised artist-run initiative. She currently sits on the Artist Advisory Group and Board for SALA, or the South Australian Living Artists Festival. She is the current Visual Arts Peer Assessor for Project and Development Grants at Karklu Youth Arts, and has been employed as a Gallery Assistant at Hugo Mitchell Gallery since 2015. Thanks for joining us uh, in the studio today, Jenna Pippet. Thank you. Thrilled to be chatting to you guys. It's amazing. Jenna's in Venice at the moment for everyone who's listening. It is an incredible um, location. My Italian is slightly getting better, but yeah, nice. I'm nice. Oh my gosh. Are you, are you sort of practicing it on people and, and, and you're like, and they just speak back to you in English? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. My, like, my main goal is to yeah. <laughs> to order a coffee like confidently and for them to kind of, you know, Respect just be like, that. oh, yes, that's someone who's yeah. yeah, They're trying. <laughs> Good for you. Um, all right. Um, and I keep saying things like, you know, it's a good morning, not a, a good afternoon. It's like, oh, good morning at night time. Like, damn it. Uh, cool. Well, um, well, let's uh, kick it off like every time um, by asking you to please tell us a story of um, how you became an artist. Yeah. So I guess um, probably like most, uh, most of um, most people who you interview, I was really taken by drawing as a kid um, and, you know, really enjoyed uh, making art at home and really enjoyed it at school as well. So my family, uh, my mum is Czech and my mum and grandparents immigrated to Australia when my mum was five years old and I always found this to be like a fascinating fascinating point Mm -hmm. um in that you know my mum wasn't wasn't born in Adelaide and I'm from Adelaide and it's you know it's where I've grown up and um that there was a disconnect there and so even as a kid it's something that I was really fascinated by Mm -hmm. so I remember being in high school and like looking at old family photos and I think certainly when you're a teenager you're like oh nostalgia isn't that a beautiful thing <laughs> um and <laughs> and so yeah that was something that I always looked at, looked to as a kid um my parents were always really supportive of my arts career um my I'm really close with my mum and not so close um I haven't been so close with my dad these these days I I am but certainly in um Certainly, yeah, as growing when we were growing up, my parents separated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my mum was, my mom was a, a rock for the family. And I 
I've always been interested in the maternal side of my family mm. and those links to um, relatives overseas and, yeah, and I guess the the closeness that um, that mothers and granddaughters and, um, yeah, the, the females in the family share. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. Do you have any siblings? About, yeah, I guess my my pre... Well, I do. I have a... I have a younger brother. Mm-hmm. Um, he is constantly traveling. We always got along. We never fought as kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we get along to this day, which is, yeah, always been a really lovely thing. And I, I don't know, my mum doesn't have any siblings. Um, mm. And so in Australia, it's just my mum and my grandparents. My grandparents are both still alive and very lucky to still have them. Oh, great. And my mum, I think she always wanted siblings, but it was just... Um, not an option, I guess, mm-hmm. um, yeah. for my grandparents. So they were, you know, a poor migrant family. And so mm-hmm. they just, once they moved to Australia, they were very, very much like, we've got to, you know, make a better life here, make a better life for our daughter. Um, yeah. But now my mum, you know, having to look after my grandparents a lot, she's like, gosh, I wish I, <laughs> I, wish I had some cousins, <laughs> I wish I had some siblings, yeah. I wish there was some more. More of a support network. So in that way, the support network for my family is quite closed. Mm. Yeah. So did you continue that kind of interest in drawing and making through your high school years as well? Or was that something that you just kind of dabbled with um, when you were much younger in like primary school? Yeah, I, I did continue my drawing up until high school. And then I remember doing photography. Our school was fortunate enough to have a dark room mm. and I loved the dark room yeah. um I've never been in a dark room since but I really enjoyed <laughs> those the process the yeah. process of it all <laughs> um and learning how to use like editing software on computers um and doing graphic design as a subject I remember doing design and I nearly like I remember putting in you know how you do your preferences after you when you graduate and yeah. you get your results I put um I think I put graphic design as my first preference yeah, right. and visual arts as my second because I was like, I knew that I'd be able to get into visual arts, but I was like, oh, I guess I'll, I don't know. I was very, I was very close to going into that, like, oh, I need a real job type yeah. scenario. <laughs> yes. But I actually did a little Lucky you drawing didn't. course. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but there's so many links. Like I, yeah, I see so much of like the, is yeah, graphic design elements kind of coming into my practice, and I love being at a computer. I feel most comfortable, you mm. know, in editing in a digital realm rather than, yeah, I guess, a physical gestural world of drawing and painting. Yeah, so, that's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so when, like, when was the kind of point? Um, you know, after after you did all your preferences and everything, that you were like, oh, no, actually, oh no, I think you were just telling us actually <laughs> that you did a you did a little drawing course. Is that is that right? Yeah. So when I was in year 10 and I wish, I kind of wished that I'm so glad that I did it, but my mum wrote me a note to get me out of Japanese classes. Oh. <laughs> I just was terrible at it. I was terrible <laughs> at language. Um, and I, they, they used to do, I'm not sure what it's called over in um, Victoria, but it's like VET courses, like VET. Yeah, yeah It's yeah. like vocational education yeah, training. Yeah, I think that. And I there was this like to be called that. Yeah, I think it's called something else. VCAL. Yeah. Just, anyway, just some acronym. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's an acronym, yeah. which isn't doing a, like, dog and vet course. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Um, and I did, like, six months of drawing at uh, the art school that I ended up um, attending. That's and, so cool. Yeah, it was then in – yeah, it was really cool. Um, my grandparents would pick me up from my school in my school uniform and they'd drive me, like, 30 minutes across town to go to this art school. That's amazing. Where well, I was, I like, the, you know, the youngest participant. All the vet courses at 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 um at my high school were like, you know, being an electrician, yeah, or like being a chippy yeah. or something, <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and 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 like or hairdresser. Literally, no girls were yeah. doing them. Mm. It was all boys. Yeah, they were more trade jealous. type. Yeah, that's things. so that's yeah. so amazing. Yeah, it was an incredible thing to do, and it yeah, I was in year ten, so I was like what fifteen. Um, and, you know, I was obviously a really cool teenager um, <laughs> and uh, I'd roll up to this to this art school in my, you know, full school uniform and everyone in my class, you know, you go to art school, there's people of different ages and backgrounds and I was just treated like an equal and oh, that's I was totally hooked. What an this, experience. Yeah, this, like, 70-year-old woman, like, totally, you know, just spoke to me like I was anyone else in the class and yeah yeah that's you know amazing. at that stage when you're near 10 you see adults as being this like sort of oh, authority yeah. and yeah so that I was like wow look at this world that exists that you know people are people are treated equally and and you know you can learn and you're mm. you know you're just one of the mm-hmm. one of the class which yeah I mean maybe it was a bit of a unique experience because yeah I certainly know plenty of people in, in a university scenario mm-hmm. that <laughs> wouldn't mm-hmm. have treated a a little fifteen-year-old schoolgirl. Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess you, I, you know you're all in one way. You're all kind of at the same level. Totally. You know, you're all there to learn. Mm. So mm. it's kind of the way it should yeah. be, really. And just the exposure to you know this is this is actually something that is is a career can be a career. It really opened my eyes up to that. Yeah. And so yeah, that I think my my teacher at the time, who's just retired. Um, said oh you know this is something that you could consider after school and there was Mm -hmm. like a scholarship program and encouraged that I applied for it and yeah so I put that on the back burner until I yeah until I graduated school and I was like yeah this is this is something I want to do and yeah didn't didn't um enroll in um visual communications yeah (laughs) yeah but went to art school instead and then so after you've graduated you have been really heavily involved in the Adelaide art scene in different roles and capacities. How did you get into um, your involvement with a, um, with Felt Space, which is a RE in Adelaide? It is, yeah. So um, I found the art school that I went to, so there's, there's three um, places that you can study visual arts in Adelaide, and the art school that I went to has uh, smaller class groups um, and is very much uh, its own little community and it's yeah it's not like a a big a big university which you get lost in a a whole sea of people so my graduating group was a group of um 11 people Mm -hmm. and after after we graduated um a couple two of my friends we set up a little studio in the city which is still is still very much a a thing in Adelaide that you know property prices aren't so crazy that you can (laughs) actually rent a space sign a commercial lease in the CBD I love Adelaide so um, much. Which we, we really felt like we were. 
Yeah, we didn't think that, you know, we were like, I can't believe people are actually letting us sign this commercial lease um, to run a studio. And so, yeah, me and a couple of friends run a studio for three years. And I think through that, I kind of was given a little like, oh, hey, you should apply to be part of Felt Space. At the time that I joined was um, in operation for about seven years. Seven. Yep. And I'd been part of a couple of exhibitions there. And, uh, yeah, they were doing a call out for, um, co-directors and yeah, I put, put my hat in the ring. Um, <laughs> and I'm so glad I did. It was a truly life-changing experience. Yeah. So, mm. yeah, mm. I think I started at the same time as five other people and because it was a pretty, um, like a new fresh group that was joining, I think that we all felt very confident to start you know yeah start being active straight away yeah. rather than I mean, I guess learning the, ropes the old guard mm-hmm. yeah mm. and yeah, those five people that I started with have all since left felt space but they're all you know in you know very different roles within the visual arts community mm-hmm. um in fact yeah I know you guys mentioned you're interviewing Kate Power and she was at felt space when I was at felt space mm. so yeah, right mm. yeah, that's yeah. how I met her actually yeah, it's definitely one of those Aries that, like, it kind of um, it always pops up on everyone's CV, mm-hmm. I find, that, like, I'll be yeah. reading through. Um, and especially, like, yeah, lots of artists from Melbourne as well have gone over to show there. Uh, and it's such a great space as well. So mm-hmm. um, it's great to see yeah. that it's, it's so well looked after. Yeah, that's it. And I, you know... They're in their 11th or 12th year now, um, going strong. But I think that in terms of, um, you know, for artists, it's obviously a great resource to show your work in. And, yeah, I think Felt Space has got a really good national profile. Mm -hmm. But there's no way to, like, quantify the effect that it has on, um, you know, co-directors being involved in the space because, you know, you're introduced to all these people coming in. Yeah. And it provides you with so much, so much, you know, um, behind closed doors experience on, you see how applications come through, you see the things that, you know, don't make it a strong application, you see the things that mm, you, know, you want yeah. to endorse and that, and mm-hmm. you're able to take that to your mm. own practice. And, yeah. Yeah. It's actually something. And just practical, practical things. Yeah. yeah. It's that, that thing, um, and, and a lot of people have talked about that, you know, like that, that being, you know, either volunteering in an IRE or being on a panel, you know, for a council, um, taking on like mm. reading applications yeah. and stuff, like seeing how the sausage is made um, really gives you a lot of yes. insight. In... That's such a gross expression. <laughs> I love it. It's so awful. Um, it gives you a lot of insight I into like it a lot. Yeah, how, like how you can improve, you know. It's like, you know, you, you see it's not – you're not kind of in this sort of feedback loop of your own or echo chamber of your own where you're just like, oh, I don't know what my mm. ideas are doing. Like you, you get to see what works with other people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you meet so many people from across the state and you get to go to, you know, when we went to the um, Hobart Biennial, Ari Biennial that they put on and, mm-hmm. you know, it's – all these other people that are just like you, but just from all over Australia and, you know, talking about the issues that are um, that that are very much similar to what, what you're experiencing locally. And, yeah. Yeah. The Ari Olympics. An experience like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been talking about the Venice Biennale like the Art Olympics. Oh, they are. They're so are. Don't, 
I love that. Yeah, that's what I always say to, you know, like yeah. my family like, or something. Oh, okay. And I'm just like, you know, it's it's like it's like going to the art Olympics. It's really important in my yes. industry. You know? Except yeah. only one person gets to be represented. <laughs> yeah. I think painting was actually an Olympic sport. Oh, there was that's... like way, way, way back. Wow. I remember reading that there was an arts. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I have to look into that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm bring that back. Isn't that what the Archibald is? Yeah. yeah. It's like the painting, the painting Olympics. I think that's what George Brandis wanted when he had his Australian Excellence Eye roll. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but he wanted to be the dictator to a Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to give that gold medal. Mm. <laughs> um. So just moving on a bit, I was just wondering if you would be able to kind of talk about any challenges that you've um, needed to overcome to continue your practice. Yeah, I think um, a challenge, I don't know if I I I have not overcome it yet. Mm. (laughs) Um, My current challenge is, I guess, like time management. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's it's a big one everyone faces it but um because yeah because of my involvement with felt space and um you know running studio spaces and like I really enjoy being part of the community um I work at a a commercial space in Adelaide and I love it there I'm very fortunate to work with an incredible team but it's working in the arts and trying to have an arts practice it, you know, would seem to go hand in hand, but it's difficult to separate mm. your mm. creative time from your, like, I know, I guess, yeah, arts, your other arts time because yeah. you're assisting other people or, you know, trying to help them realise their projects, but it kind of eats into your <laughs> your own time mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. um, in, a, in a non, like, nine-to-five way, but, you know, you, you might take it with you after you leave work just because, yeah, because our community is so so small and mm-hmm. um and so linked that yeah I think that's my current um my current challenge that I'm trying to overcome mm. um and certainly you know like anyone the financial things that the kind of affect that that you know a job is great because you you're able to live <laughs> and yeah go on holidays and do all those things but yeah it's also you know you feel that that part of you that's lacking the you know that you want to get into the studio more and you know you want to have time for your own thing but as much as that yeah. requires time away from work it also requires some mental headspace yeah totally, totally. So. yeah there's also this really interesting thing um i've oh like you know a catch no it's not really catch too but like when you if you if you work in the arts as your main source of income as well as are an artist yeah. you're kind of hit with this double whammy of like you know, your income from your arts work is probably not super duper high, um, you know, yeah. and and then you're trying to also fund your, you know, your arts practice and your life um, from that wage. It can it can get yeah. really challenging trying to sort of do both. It's sort of like we, we all need like, you know, super high paying, you know, crazy tradie jobs and then, <laughs> and then, you know, have a really like strong practice, you Should know, just shooting out money outside. A course in electronics. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Like a, like be, being in a electrician or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or plumber. Plumber. Yeah, totally. I always think I could have been a, I, I could have totally gone into plumbing. I reckon I'd be into that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's finding a balance and someone, an artist told me there's, she was like, you know, there's never really, 
you'll never find a balance. It's just constantly balancing. Mm. <laughs> and it changes all like, the time because... as well, like yeah. year to yeah. year, different stages of your life, different job roles as well. Yeah. It's a constant. Because you might have a really intense intense period of work or an intense period of, um, you know, like a, a residency or something like mm. that. And so mm. you put all your energy into that at one time but yeah it's yeah it's gotta you've got to be you got to keep those plates spinning yeah and it's um <laughs> which is exhausting it is and it's often also hard I think as well um maybe especially when you're younger um figuring out what job positions you can take to um complement your art practice or like maybe working in hospitality or um, childcare is something that's good because you can take time off when you are required to do a residency or have an exhibition coming mm. up. Um, and that kind of full-time work is also, you know, it's it's a commitment in terms of time, um, not just like day-to-day, but also how much time of the year you're required to be there in the same, you know, in the same city as that job. Yeah, and um, it's also like your your yes. primary hours. Mm. You know, it's like right in the middle of the day. You know, whereas, you know, sometimes you know, although it's challenging, sometimes working, you know, at night can be a little bit. You know, yeah, you, you can kind of work it around your practice instead of the other way around because you, you you maybe you don't need to be quite so attentive when you're slinging beers. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've certainly done the slinging beers um, scenario, mm-hmm. and I think that for me, um, yeah, working at night is is a is a better scenario. Yeah. Um, but the hospitality environment, you know, is is a, a physically exhausting one. Mm-hmm. Less, yeah. less so on the. Um, I mean, you know, there's jerks, and that can be. Yeah. yeah <laughs> especially totally. Especially when there's alcohol, there's always jerks. Yeah. Um, totally. <laughs> but yeah, being able to work at night, I think you know enables you to have that studio daytime and I'm definitely a studio day yeah. daytime thinker rather than a nighttime thinker mm, yeah. um but yeah it can just yeah I've done I still do hospitality um mm-hmm. and have done a lot of hospitality as well in the past and yeah it's it's also like burnout territory because you might work yeah. lots for I mean certainly in Adelaide there's lots of festival work mm. and yeah. then you know you you work ridiculous hours and then there's a lull which which can be mm. good for a practice mm-hmm. um but maybe not so good for like life you know <laughs> having money to live off of yeah or you know <laughs> your, your sanity yeah <laughs> exactly um i just want to totally go a little bit off topic for a moment just what with what you said in terms of Adelaide and um festivals we were speaking with an artist the other day who had grown up in Brisbane and what APT kind of brought to um the discourse around the arts in Brisbane um and I mm. was um also just um at a symposium the other day where they were we were um the panellists were discussing festivals in zones of conflict and kind of comparing arts festivals in Colombia v arts festivals in Australia and Adelaide Festival kind of got spoken about quite a bit. Um, And so I was just wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing what your experience of living in a city that has, I think, one of the oldest arts festivals in Australia um, and such an important arts festival, how that has been... um, you know, going through art school in a city that has fostered the arts in a very public way through the Adelaide Arts Festival. Wasn't it the Festival yeah. City? 
Is that, in, is that in, isn't that in the number plate? Yeah, yeah, yeah intestinal state. Yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Mm-hmm. Ah, so you've been paying attention. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Adelaide Festival is a very important thing um, for South Australian um, practices, both in the ways uh, that it obviously brings uh, brings performers to Adelaide as part of the festival, but um, in that it brings audiences as well. So. I know that certainly at the gallery that I work at, we will program things um, thinking about what what other um, activities are happening in the state at the time, mm-hmm. and you know which audiences will be will be coming, and um, you know we're a little bit isolated in Adelaide. I think somewhat like Perth, we're always complaining that um, people skip Adelaide on their tours, mm. <laughs> and so it is it is an important um, an important thing for Adelaide because you know, the spotlight is on, is on us for, yeah. you know, at the start of, at the start of each year. But with Adelaide Festival, obviously also comes Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be, I guess, a little bit of an oversaturation of the, of the, of the market in a way. It's arts, things get overlooked if they're part of Fringe often mm. because Fringe, um, Fringe certainly caters to the, the comedic, um, like, uh, what's it called like magician kind of uh, audiences, yeah. And yeah, there's there's not there's not so much crossover. But yeah. I really hope that when artists come to Adelaide, that they don't <laughs> they don't feel overlooked in that way. Um, but we do get certainly huge numbers coming from interstate, and that's really important for for the survival of of the arts in Adelaide. But it's important to know that things still happen all year round. It's not just yeah. February March. Is- isn't the only time that Adelaide exists mm-hmm. and I think that that can be the view yeah um, from an external perspective do you feel like there might be a bit of a like collective sigh of like relief slash tiredness come end of festival season like is there a feeling through the city yes. of like Ooh, <laughs> another one done yes mm. yeah and I think that a lot of um artists uh you know performing visual um the whole gamut they it, it's extra work for them. So I know I did a lot of hospitality work in Adelaide Festival time, which means that I saw some shows lots of times yeah. <laughs> and other shows that I would have loved to have made it to, I didn't get, I didn't get to. Yeah. Um, Just moving on to the next question. Um, what does a successful practice mean to you? I think it's, that's a, it's a really tough question because it can be obviously so many things, but I think it's... Um, allowing yourself the time and to be able to think creatively and to be a part of your community Mm -hmm. um I think that you've I also think that you know it's fine for artists to take to take some time off Mm. and that you don't have to be you know always giving your your 100 like you don't have to be going to every single opening and Mm -hmm. making sure that you're being incredibly active because there there will be lulls it's it's life you don't just sit on the accelerator yeah <laughs> every single day um and so i think that it's it's being able to to realize those rhythms and to to give yourself the time to um have some space away from 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 those active circles but but still being able to um to still being able to think creatively in your own your own um your own setting and yeah I think it's it's really tough 
it's tough. You put so much of yourself out there as an artist. Um, you know, you bear your soul to be criticized. Mm-hmm. Totally. <laughs> and sometimes you need to hibernate for a little while. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, I think one of it, uh, maybe it was one of our guests, or I was talking to someone, and they, they said this really great thing to me, which is, um, it's you know much more helpful to think of your, you know, your practice as like spanning your entire lifetime than just, you know, whatever mm. whatever it is that you're doing yeah. now. So like you've really got to like find ways to, to really sustain what you're doing, and you know it doesn't matter that you've had like a year off or five years off or whatever it is, but like when you practice for your entire life, that's that's a practice, not not you know the yeah. next two shows or no shows that you've got coming up. Or it's that funny thing of like you know when you leave art school and you you know you're freshly graduated with this certificate and like new beret, you're you're out in the world and people are like, oh, what do you do? Like, I'm an at artist. What, at what point do you say, yeah, I'm an artist? Like, mm. how do you get to that mm-hmm. that point? And yeah, it's a funny little thing. You're like, oh, I've just finished studying and now I'm doing this. But yeah, to be able to confidently say like, oh, I am an artist. This is what I do. Yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Getting to that point, I was like, oh wow, I can. Yeah. Like I actually feel like I'm participating. Yeah. Was um, there a, but I do remember that. Yeah. Was there a specific point for you that you were like, there it is, I'm an artist, and you felt <laughs> like you could say <laughs> there it? it is. <laughs> um, maybe having my first solo show, I think, because, mm-hmm. you know, you go to art school and you talk about putting in application processes and applying for funding and doing all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe doing that or maybe getting a studio maybe uh, fun yeah I think maybe getting a studio having my own space to go that yeah. I you know fought for yeah and yeah it's like yeah. having a having a desk outside of the home mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah 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 but yeah it's a, a funny little thing of like oh yeah now I do this now I'm an artist yeah did you <laughs> um been? Did you have a professional practice class when you were studying? Yeah, we did. And I, but I feel like when we were at art school, that was always the, like the slog of a class. Yeah. Class. Like, you know, some, some people that went to art school that had, you know, arrived at art school later in life, they already had businesses. And so I remember them getting like a pass or they get got accreditation or whatever to not have to sit this class. Um, and yeah, looking back, like, I'm sure that they're kicking themselves because it was such an important class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you as, felt like you, you actually know, really a learned 21 a 21-year-old. I, I do. And I also wish that I paid more attention mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, I remember we, you know, we'd go on excursions and you'd hear from artists and, you know, hearing from artists was great, but doing all the like mock assignments that like we had to, you know, put in a fake proposal and do mm. all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I remember thinking, oh, like, you know, we've just got to, we just got to do this. I want to get back into making. Totally. But you don't realize mm. um, mm-hmm. until you leave art school how much, how much of being an artist is admin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So much. I wish I could see a like a component. pie chart or something. Oh, totally. I was just thinking <laughs> pie chart. I want like a, just a pie chart. Mm. I want to see it. I wish yeah. I had logged. But then I think all my hours so I could see one what I've actually done and how much. It'd be a confronting time. thing to see. Mm. Yeah. Be like, I don't know if I really <laughs> want to yeah. be confronted with the reality of how much of, you know, 
how much of it is putting in an application and and never hearing back or yeah getting those getting those no's but yeah that that also is an important process in itself that you've written absolutely put the time into you know practicing how to put together a um Mm -hmm. an application but yeah I think you might have it's a romantic idea of going to art school and spending your days you know in the sun like making things and the mm-hmm. reality is that you spend so much time at doing admin and running a small business mm, yeah <laughs> I think it would also tax. be ah. oh my god tax yes I think it would also be beneficial to kind of have pro pra- like a professional practice class when you're kind of entering into your mid-career section because when you're an emerging artist mm. there is um there are quite a lot of grants that are available for specific age ranges or a certain amount of years out of university that um and they're amazing and they provide incredible opportunities. Um, but they're also assessed understanding that these um, people have just graduated from university and that their documentation, the amount of shows that they've had, et cetera, are going to be of a certain level of a recent graduate um, or like an emerging part of someone's practice. But I mm-hmm. feel like at other times when you're entering into other stages of your career, um, and the kind of pool of people that you're competing against widens even further um, with people who... They've all been practising 20 years. Yeah, um, how to how to re... Yeah. Kind of like a check-in to make sure that, you know, if you're still kind of um, using correct language um, in terms of yes. um, hitting key selection criteria, what kind of documentation is appropriate. It's like uh, ProPrac, uh, Summer School, <laughs> 2021, <laughs> look out for it. But yeah, because it is a funny thing that happens after you've kind of gone through that emerging wave where there's lots of opportunities and it's really great. Yeah. Um, you kind of like hit a bit of a plateau of like, ooh, this is some new terrain that I haven't yet experienced, and mm. um, it's like quite mm. it's quite interesting yeah. the, the the change that seems to be happening where people are doing their master's degrees much um, when they're much younger, or you know, much closer to when they've studied undergrad. And I'm I'm wondering if that you know if that's what if that what if that's <laughs> what masters used to kind of be a little bit that people would be sort of hitting mid career and mm. then they would you know kind of follow up with a um, postgraduate education or that's an interesting thought yeah or at least that it used to kind of fill that um, position much more because it's mm. like you know yeah, you yeah. go straight into a PhD after undergrad like where do you get more professional development and critique and like mm. feedback from yeah well I don't think the university's role in a PhD is for professional development in that way no but you do you do get you know university can be such a great time of like just being around so many people and having so much mm. of your um you know stuff exposed that you you know you can take stuff in to your lecturers and be like this you know what am i doing wrong or can you look at this or ask for feedback or mm. you know it yeah it isn't it yeah. isn't so much the professional development aspect in that sense of doing your tax or whatever it is but you know i think <laughs> i think at least in terms of career development I would like to be mm, able to have, um, you know how, I mean, there are career development grants, but um, I was speaking with a friend of mine who she works in the arts, but isn't an artist and um, had approached her employer for some career development in terms of 
doing some training in certain sectors to be able to bring back certain things to the company that she was working for. Yeah. How cool would that be if we could just like upgrade our skills yeah. with and, you know, have that available? Yeah. Um, but, you know, I guess there's the Ozco career but I think development that's at, like, yeah, as an emerging artist, there's like some, you know, little check boxes that you, you feel like you want to, you want to hit those milestones as you go. And then you mm. get to that, like, I'm in that point where I'm like seven years out of art school and like, a lot of my, you know, good friends are as well. And you're kind of like, all right, so now I'm floating out here. Like, mm-hmm. where do I anchor myself? Like, what am I, what am I looking for, for the next thing to, you know, yep. to continue practicing and to, um, yeah, to to keep that that rhythm going but it yeah it does I think that for that early um early career to mid-career and certainly in Adelaide there's there's not a lot um and we lose so many people interstate I think to go do masters um Mm because there's only one place yeah it's Mm -hmm. just like a it's a really I think this is the real like push the push time within a yeah an artist career like you've got to how do you keep this sustainable and how do you keep mm-hmm. how do you keep on going? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you just nailed the questions and- there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do I do feel like there yeah, is love- there is this transfer period, you know, of a couple of years where people do kind of like rush through, you know, they've come straight out of the gate and they're like, yes, 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 and kicking lots of goals and then and then it's like, mm. yeah, it is yeah. really, really hard and like your life is happening and you're like, okay what what do I what am I what's my priority here to keep going with this like how do Mm. I make this sustainable yeah and how do how do I how do I justify spending so much of my time and my life and my money on this when it's only when it's giving me this much like do I need to do less on it do I need to make it more satisfying do I need it to pay me more money or like whatever it is I I feel like there Mm -hmm. is a kind of pivot point that seems to happen and you know um for people sort of yeah in that in that weird time between emerging and mid-career it's a bit of a it's a bit of a the weird limbo yeah uh what does uh what is a what is a week in the life of jenna pippet um look like probably um you know you're you're living it up over in the sunshine right now but uh maybe maybe back <laughs> maybe back home when you're just like you know getting through teenage art life yeah can you give us a week a guess- week in the life yeah, absolutely. So currently I'm working um, at the commercial space uh, four days a week, which I guess I'm, I am I see myself as in, yeah, like what we talked about before, like almost a, um, a hibernation point. Like financially mm-hmm. it's great, but creatively mm-hmm. it's, um, it's a struggle. So I'm working four days a week um, and the time that I do get to go to the studio uh, is very precious. Um, but I guess I'm also lucky in that I don't, I work, I work on a computer and my studio space looks somewhat like an office with some, you know, photographic storage equipment, mm-hmm. um, in there. Yeah. So really I can work, I can work anywhere, but I think that there's, you know, it's such an important thing to be able to go to a space and work, get into that headspace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But on the um, days that I do go to the studio, I usually visit my grandparents first so mm. I like to pop in and see them so my grandpa's in a nursing home and my grandma 
um, visits him every day. So I know that she'll be there from her, like, her work hours that she's mm-hmm. kind of assigned to herself. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess my, my Czech grandparents, my Bubby and Jeddah, are a huge source of um, inspiration for me. And I'm, yeah. you know, very close to them. And, yeah, a lot of the work that I make is speaks about, I guess, capturing those um, family histories or, um, mm-hmm. like, anecdotal stories that when they pass they obviously won't be able to, you know, they won't be here anymore. So mm. I normally, yeah, start a studio day with a visit to them, mm-hmm. which, you know, I hear about all their health ailments and mm-hmm. <laughs> complaints about, mm-hmm. you know, sus neighbours and my grandma is notoriously <laughs> crazy. So she's oh, always that. got cake to feed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so I love great. them dearly and they, yeah, they're completely batty. My grandma um, called me before I left to go to Venice um, and spoke to me for about 10 minutes with a warning about gypsies because she believes oh. that gypsies have got magical powers and that, you know, they're going to feed from me. <laughs> That's Maybe they could school. do something else as well. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she she's a weird one. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'd normally start with a visit um, with them, check in with them and then go to the studio. I've got a studio... Um, just out of the CVD, it's like five minutes out of the CVD, and there's about 15 or so people in this um, place called cool. Holy Roller Studio. And yeah, there's it's actually a pretty active studio. It's been around for maybe five years, and I think for me, the going to the studio and having other um, other people around to give feedback or to you know nut out your your latest crazy idea um, is a is a really important environment to be part of because mm-hmm. otherwise you can feel like you're screaming into the wind a little bit. Mm. Do you have any like other kind of practices that you do alongside your art practice, like a fitness practice or anything like that that you do to keep yourself sane? Or, um, Well, I do play <laughs> I play a social netball game mm-hmm. um, weekly. And we have an art netball team that's called so cool. Van Gogh. <laughs> oh, that's so beautiful. Um, and so I, I hated netball in school. I always thought it was, like, super lame that, you know, it was a, a girl's sport and they had to wear a, um, a skirt and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I was, like, not into it. But mixed netball um, playing with a group of artists is, yeah, is the best. It sounds brutal. Is the best thing because you don't. Yeah. Oh my god! If you guys come to Adelaide, you'll have to um, come play a game with us. I don't know but, if I'm um, game actually, it's, but it's a really. <laughs> yes, it's like four dollar beers at this little um, place afterwards. It's incredible. So Amazing. we're playing up against you know often these really youthful young people, um, <laughs> but you know you see all these arts. There's lots of arts admin people and lots of artists, um, and it's a funny environment to see these people that you normally see at exhibition openings or whatever, but just, like, get sweaty and messy on the court. Yeah. It's not swearing. <laughs> <laughs> that's so fun. Yeah, that's it. And so, yeah, we've got a few new recruits. It's a great way for people to, I guess, you know, netball's a relatively easy sport to pick up. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, you've, I've made a number of new friends, new arts friends through this team. Um, but, yeah, it's just a bit of dumb fun, and I think that, you kind of need that output yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, you seem to be a person that is around people constantly. Um, 
very yeah. active socially. <laughs> Do you need to have any downtime or time away from people or are you like very extroverted and that find that gives you a lot of energy? Yeah, I think my partner is always criticizing me about <laughs> maybe how much time I spend. <laughs> no. Well, I think he's someone who oh, so enjoys wrong, his really. alone time and Yeah. <laughs> He enjoys his alone time and, you know, time to diffuse. But I think think for me, if I'm feeling anxious or, like, I think I need people around me constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and we were, we were faced with a difficult thing about 12 months ago. A friend of mine who was in our graduating group of 11 uh, took her own life. Mm. And I guess, so this last 12 months has been a bit of a weird time for yeah. um, my very like close group of art school um, graduates because there was only a small group of us. So we're all, you know, still very much in touch and Adelaide's a small community as well. Um, And, yeah, I guess since that has happened, I've probably done more, I I think I've probably put myself out there a little bit more socially and, Mm. yeah, if I'm ever feeling a little bit anxious or a little bit, you know, down, I like to fill my days with social things Uh whereas you know, my partner's someone who likes to have, yeah, likes to have like downtime away from people. But for me, it's mm-hmm. like, I guess I've really tried to fill my time with seeing lots of people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I guess the last 12 months has been a, been a weird time for making art as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it sounds yeah, like you put been a- active a lot socially. Yeah. It sounds like you put a lot into though, creating support networks for and, yourself yeah. and for others. Yeah. And creating community. Yeah, and I think that that's something that Adelaide is really good at. There's mm. lots of um, for people who are new to Adelaide. There's lots of communities, visual arts communities that are easily um, accessible and willing to, you know, let people in. Yeah. Um, I don't think that we've got too many, like, I don't know, negative spaces that people don't want to engage in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there are weird things like art social netball and um <laughs> and you know openings openings in Adelaide are always very well attended because yep. they you know there's only limited spaces but yeah yep. there's certainly avenues for people to to kind of get out there but mm-hmm. yeah and I, I do acknowledge that it is important to to be able to diffuse um you know away from these things as well but I think yep. yeah the last 12 months for me has really been about like filling my day yeah and, yeah yeah um have, have you uh in your relationship have you ever found that to be a bit of a challenge where um uh you know one of you is obviously a lot more sociable and the other one is maybe a little less sociable has there ever been like a uh, a kind of uh, you know both being kind of in the arts um you know is that something that you ever mm. have to kind of try and balance together yeah definitely because you know you've got to have you got to have time to yourself and time with your partner as well to mm-hmm. to keep a, a, to keep any relationship um you know happening but yeah i think that the maybe the difficult thing about being um having a a partner within the arts is yeah is being able to have non arts friends mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah like to have people outside of the bubble yeah because <laughs> otherwise it can just be yeah it can be you work with the same people as you socialize with the same people and I guess that's why family is so important because they provide this you know someone to go see a dumb movie with and yeah um, it doesn't have to always be mm-hmm. <laughs> enriching 
yes. yeah. sensations and uh, yeah, we're, we're always <laughs> lamenting together that you know seeing seeing like a crap film now it just doesn't you know you just can't help but like critically dissect to the <laughs> entire film and it's uh-huh. like oh, I can't even just go to the movies anymore. I do. I've have ruined a- everything. Yeah. I do have a friend though that like has the same um, taste in pop culture and YouTubers as me, and I cherish my conversations with her because it's it's so out of the art world and it's so obscure that no one else would ever think to find on the internet. And um, it's actually crazy that we both ended up in this same little hole of the internet together. But um, I need those conversations and I need that escapism to be able to like enter back into art conversations. Yeah, it's a pressure valve. So. Mm, for sure. Um, on that, I was just wondering if you were able to share um, any influential resources or anything that has assisted you in, and your practice. Uh, currently, I am... I guess like two sides of the coin. I'm in my practice. I'm really delving further into uh, the family history side of things, and so I'm using uh, like the National Libraries of Australia resource and Trove mm. uh-huh. right, to kind of it's look at all these old newspapers and um, yeah, it's a, a wealth of resource. Um, but yeah, I guess in terms of you know finding the weird place in the internet. I'm really into <laughs> looking at um, magic, Ooh. <laughs> like magician performances. <laughs> so I just good. think that there's something. <laughs> um, I guess as a as a video artist, the um, the things that you know really get me is when someone's used technology in a um, a fascinating way to maybe do a little bit of trickery, and so in some ways mm-hmm. artists can be like magicians. Um, yeah, and totally. As lame as magic is. Um, <laughs> there's something kind of dumb and fun uh, watching those magic shows, yeah, <laughs> and seeing how people are are wowed and dazzled by it, even mm. though you know that it's it's a practical, real world thing. Magic of TV, um, you kind of you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, creating that other experience for people. So, yeah, heavy on the research, um, family history, and then just a little bit of magic. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I thought before when you were talking about Fringe Festival, I thought I like just uh, detected the slightest amount of cringy uh, cringe on the magic aspect of the Fringe. So I think you're really <laughs> revealing your true feelings now. I know. Are we going to see? I don't know if I could publicly go to a magic show though. Really? Yeah. Oh, no. Maybe uh, you need to like put too one much on. Audience participation. I can, uh, yeah, I couldn't do yeah. it either. I'm just mm. like, no, don't you dare call me on stage. And they always want to call you on stage when you're the person who's just like sweating bullets, just like trying to avoid eye contact. They're like, <laughs> you, come up on stage. You're like, no, I wish I was dead. It's like, why did they pick me? How did they know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah they know. <laughs> but there's, a, there's a safety of watching it on a computer screen and you're yeah. like, you're not going yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> But they're my two things at the moment. It's cool. a balance. Yeah. Oh, have you have you ever gotten into like uh like ancestry dot com or anything like that? Um, you know those kind of online. Yeah, totally. Things? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. How yeah. how yeah, have you found that experience? Super late. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, ancestry dot com. I guess I don't know. For me, that um 
certainly the Czech side of my family, mm-hmm. they you know, come from very poor, like poor farming um, backgrounds. So the, yep. the records um, on so those much. sites are pretty limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But I recently, um, last couple of months, I found my grandparents listed on like a secret police um, watch list. What? Which Whoa. is, I know, it's my latest obsession and... So I've been emailing this um, person in the Czech Republic who there's this, um, gosh, I can't think of what it's called, but there's this company that they, it's a government, um, like a, a branch of government, and their mission is to, I guess, make all this information accessible mm. to the public and certainly to those people who were who were on the watch lists. And, yeah, right. Um, because you know it demystifies it and it's it's giving that power back to the people and yeah. so I've been emailing this person um, her name's Veronica mm-hmm. and she is have to pay a small fee for them to scan mm. this document to send it back to Australia because um, it's not digitized but yeah it's apparently it's seventy pages um, concerning my parents and wow like wow. my, my mind is running wild as to what like you know what banal oh tasks they've been observed we need to have a follow-up episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's super exciting and my grandparents are you know the most average people but they do they know that this the exists have you told them yeah i i have i told my grandma and she's like what will be on there there won't be anything interesting <laughs> i'm like yeah but just the idea that someone ordered you <laughs> yeah it'll probably just be something we know that they weren't in the country. There was a, some kind of census or something like that. Mm. But, but yeah, because they left illegally. Um, yeah. And my grandpa never wanted to go back. He is very anti communism and mm-hmm. um, yeah. But they were just restaurant workers. They're nothing special about them. But the idea that maybe <laughs> they're actually spies. <laughs> I know. Spies? <laughs> Amazing. I would love to call them spies. But, yeah, so those online resources of, um, yeah, looking into family history and, like, articles that were written um, that maybe feature them or, like, even just uh, there's so much um, information on, like, flights and incoming boats and all that kind of stuff mm. that Australia has digitised. You can just access it yeah. really easily. Mm. But in terms of accessing military records um, in Europe, you've got to um, – be a bit more proactive in getting access to those things because they're not just they're not just out there yeah yeah but it takes time to do these things but yeah it's fascinating secret police what did they want wow, amazing. <laughs> so interesting i really want to find out when you get those documents yeah i'll yes. let you know please. yeah <laughs> thank you um uh yeah wow that what a i'm glad i asked um so if you could travel back through time um to the start of your career uh, uh, what would you tell yourself that you know now? Um, I think that, yeah, I think I'd tell myself to not feel anxious about putting in any applications. Mm. That even just just the process of putting something together um, and clicking send is is a learning experience in itself. I think certainly as an emerging artist, um, you know, you lament a lot on, oh, what will they think, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you've really just got to, yeah, I think that sometimes anxiety can be crippling and certainly within the arts it's, it's a, a very prevalent thing. 
Yeah. So just, yes. yeah, don't feel anxious about it. Just do it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's really great advice. <laughs> That's really yeah. Nice. And I think maybe second to that, like, don't, don't um, work so much. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Have some time off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very nice. Everything in moderation. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's really hard, though, when you're out of uni still. Mm. There's so much energy and excitement and, you know, wanting to make sure that you make your mark and get in there. And mm-hmm. um, it's hard to yeah. when you have to, you know, take take stock and be like, oh, I need to slow down. Like that's – I feel like that's something I'm continuously trying to learn. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because you don't want, um, you know, other aspects of your life to suffer because of that. But, yeah, I guess mm-hmm. it's that whole constantly Bal- balancing. Balancing. Things. Yeah, it's like yeah. right back at the beginning again with yeah. what you said about that challenge. So that might be a really nice place mm. to leave it. Yeah, cool. Yeah, thank um, you so wonderful. much, Jenna. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for being with us All today. The chats. And, you know, taking the time while you're you could be enjoying – something delicious for breakfast in Venice right now to talk with us. There's still plenty of time for breakfast. I've got the whole day. (laughs) Well, thanks again for joining us on the show today. This episode is recorded on the sovereign land of the Kulin Nation. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri people, and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Thanks for listening to ProPrac. You can listen to other episodes and subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can stay up to date with what we're up to on Instagram at ProPracPodcast or send us an email at ProPracPod at gmail.com.